Welcome back to EXPN. Experience the adventure. I'm your host, Warren Rustborough. And I'm the whipped cream to his nachos, Dirk Bradley. In a stunning turn of events, the Gutter Snipes and Raptors Lament are facing off in a trial of seeking, an exhibition team challenge we haven't seen pop up in many seasons. These teams will be given the name of an object selected at random from an LUQ database of lost and forgotten relics and race to collect information and track down the precious unknown. I've been sucking down the scuttlebutt on this one, and let me tell you, it's a doozy. What started with arm wrestling between Garn Goraberk and Waffle the Warforged evolved into several rounds of darts and billiards, pitting Luna and Vanyar against Sovastala and Kiri and Moro, only to climax with a free-form rap battle between Damu Abzu and Creed Orpheus Cockerel. And now the teams, gassed up on competitive rivalry, are gearing up for this winner-take-all wager. Let me tell you, Rusty, nothing greases my belt buckle like a team-on-team game of planar grab asset. Who's to say which team will have the upper hand? Are you kidding? Raptors laments like half-rangers. The guys you hire to track down missing things? Seems like a clear upper hand job for the lament. True enough, but should the need for forgotten secrets require social lubricants and deep delving information gathering, nobody has gumshoe chops like the snipes. Nah, you're off your bucket if you think the raptors aren't gonna ace this race. Dirk, history has shown us that in the grand scheme of right and wrong, we have slightly different track records. Yeah, well, them's betting words. Why don't you put your quin where your chin is and pony up a wager for this horse race? Dirk, it is grossly unprofessional to wager on league teams while representing a neutral spectator's perspective on the quests. If you win, I won't talk to you outside of work for a week. I'm in for three quin. I can't wait to tell you all the things I'm going to buy with your money during your lunch break and on your way home. (sighs) In the meantime, let's check in on some teams as they do what they do best. Stay tuned. Fallow crown sits around the dinner table as the distant scrape of wood grows to a cacophony. Sharp claws of the witch's thatch gouge at the skin of Elim's home, and you all must prepare for battle. Roll initiative. Fuck me. Is. No, no, he isn't. Never mind. Didn't even finish my soup. Great. Mm-hmm. Fucking tickety boo. <laughs> <laughs> that is an enemy initiative of 15. All right. How? That is to say, Michael will be tracking initiative for us this round. Thank you, Michael. Yay. Yay. Enemies at 15. Dana. 11. Okay. Penny at 11. Gaspar? At 19. All right. That covers the people who are likely to be fast. Uh, Ayavos. One total. (laughs) (laughs) And you are right. Yeah. Oh, man, I have to spell Ayavos now. Uh, And and coming in with a two total is Hal. Hmm. Yeah. I rolled I rolled fuck on the die, which on this die is one. There you go. I also rolled a one, but I have no bonus. <laughs> I get a plus one. Is it a bonus or no bonus day? <laughs> nice. So, if you didn't glean from that list, Gaspar with 19 is going to be first. Lovely. But let's start with some descriptions, shall we? Mm. Oh. Before you lays the home of Elim and his family. This is the home you must defend. It's 3D. <laughs> it's got walls. I recognize this stonework. And a door. <laughs> I do love these little pieces. The scratching, pounding, thudding of the witch's thatch grows to a thunder as the door shatters. A writhing column of witch's thatch surges forward from the orchard. At its head, the rough, vague shape 
of the upper half of a woman made entirely of loosely woven vines begins to enter. At her throat is a shimmering pink gem. So, the way this works, she has the ability to place Witch's Thatch. She is a legendary character Ooh. with an action at the end of each of your turns. What she is capable of will reveal itself in time. Mm. Gaspar, please begin. First thing Gaspar needs to do is see what Elam's reaction is. Is he trying to hold us down, feed us to the thatch at the door, or is he cowering? He immediately enters a state of panic. Like this is unexpected? My scion, please! I'm sorry she's never done this before. Usually she just takes one of you. He begins to back away slowly. This is why you can never trust debtors. They always just want more. <laughs> at which point, Gaspar is going to take one of the books at his side, pull the bookmark downwards, and as he does so, the book will open, the pages will fold up onto themselves and curve into a crossbow. Mm, beautiful. Reading crossbow! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you gave me a kitchen table. Mm, My your favorite, favorite terrain. <laughs> 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 I played in another campaign with Angelo and he literally carried around a table because he summoned a magic table whenever he could. So I'm, Gaspar is going to grab the table and flip it so that it's in between the witch's thatch <laughs> and most of the group. My stew! <laughs> Hopefully some of the stew gets onto the uh, feminine figure that the thatch has taken and he's going to crouch down, load the crossbow, attempt to hide. That'll be your whole move action, by the way. That's my whole move? Yeah, flipping a table, uh, pulling mm, out your crossbow and right. crouching. That's a move action. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Also, I'm going to go ahead and need an athletics check to see if you can toss this like giant, oh, oak, yeah. this, uh, giant oak dining table. Oh, okay. It, it's a giant oak dining table. <laughs> well, oh, boy. Currently seating eight people. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like a dinky thing. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Sorry. I should have checked how robust this table was before I made this I, plan. It's not a hard check. I mean, it's just flipping okay. a table, but I'm, I still want you to roll. Yeah, okay. Okay. As long as that helps provide cover. Oh, no. That's a 10 total. Beautiful. That is exactly enough to flip a table. Congratulations, That everybody. was way too close. <laughs> He'd have flipped the table if he couldn't flip this table. All right. Mm. So you're able to flip the table, and that gives you half cover currently. Also, all of you are doused with soups and a kind of which is tier wine that you've been drinking. Mm. Yeah. It is just as musky. Mm. And I'm hoping I can go into a crouch and hide. That is enough, yeah. You have, you have, you have at least enough movement to crouch. <laughs> yes. And how typical. I'm much better at hiding than I am at flipping tables. That's a 24. Beautiful. It fortunately is so caught up in the cacophony and the drama of breaking down the door that it doesn't notice that the headless man disappears behind a table. You don't know which side I'm coming from. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and is that the end of your turn? That is the end of my turn. Uh, it has the opportunity to take a legendary action at the end of Gaspar's turn. Thank you very much for reminding me. Referee. Michael, that is exactly what I needed. Yeah, I wrote them down after everybody's turns. Nobody remembers legendary <laughs> the initiative actions. initiative tracker will be known as the Chronomancer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, it is going to use this opportunity to use its legendary action, Spread the Thatch. Sounds mm. mad. This sounds naughty. Hmm. Brought to you by Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Wisteria has the ability to place a single thatch tile adjacent to an existing thatch tile. This destroys any terrain currently occupying that space. Mm. You are now no longer able to enter that room. Ah, okay. 
Is that the entire action? Uh, that is its legendary action, yes. Okay. That makes it the enemy's turn with Penny on deck. Right. Uh, Penny on deck confused me for a second because I forgot what on deck means. There's a deck in this house? Again, Zach is not a shipsman. <laughs> or, or, or a sports person. <laughs> yes. The only available target immediately is Iavos. So trusting to this farmhouse by sitting right in front of the door. That's <laughs> where the dining room was. I took the drafty seat. I'm very polite. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It reaches out with a long collection of jagged witch's thatch and strikes at you. And that gets a 17. Yep, that do do it. Okay. That is 14 damage. Yikes on bikes. <laughs> I'm going to use a reaction. Please do. When she done vines me violently, I'm going to retaliate with my uh, trademark hearth fire coal and you a, use a hellish rebuke of pure fire mm. to strike back at her. And I say, warm in your work. Okay. I like it. Oh, that's, that's a, a great fucking line. <laughs> Jesus. That's a deck save from Milady. Okay. Uh, she gets a seven. That's not enough. Uh, 11 fire damage. Excellent. As the flame arcs out and you say the words, you realize the error of your ways. If these are her words, then what then must warmth do? As the fire is collected inside of the vines and heals whatever meager damage she incurred breaking through the door. Mm. Plants healed by fire. Error is strange indeed. And she follows up with a second attack. That is a 21. Yep. And this time deals significantly less at a total of eight. Still, Still. quite bad for <laughs> your boy. The real tragedy, unfortunately, is that because she has successfully struck you with both of her slam attacks, she gets to activate engulf. Mm, wonderful. Mm. You are currently grappled. You are also blinded, restrained, and unable to breathe. You must also succeed on a DC 14 constitution saving throw at the start of your turn, or you will take 2d8 plus 4 piercing damage. The blinded thing is real bad. Yes. But you are inside of it, and so it shouldn't be too hard to see it. <laughs> That's not what I'm worried about. <laughs> As the second slam lands, you are flanked on both sides by reaching, grasping, gnarled vines. It begins to pull you closer to it, enwrapping you inside of itself. You can feel the barbs stabbing into you. Don't like it. Also, if I fail that save, I'm pretty much dead. Just heads up to y'all. And that is the end of its turn. All right. At the end of its turn is Penny. Penny looks like she's about to start casting a spell, but as Iavos is engulfed, she suddenly changes plan, leaping over the table and approaching the monster. The first thing Penny is going to do is touch the friendship bracelet at her wrist and whisper a soft prayer, casting healing word on Iavos. Nice. Using a second level spell slot. Well, thank you. Mm. Um, you received nine points of healing, Iavos. Thank you. Elim continues to edge away from Auntie Wisteria and says, No, no, do not, do not prolong his suffering. She has chosen, though I've never seen her this hungry. Penny sneers over her shoulder. Shut your mouth or I'll choose worse for you. <sighs> and then Penny takes up Zillos and slashes at this creature trying to free Iavos. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> How's a 12? A 12 does not do it. 
Penny, failing to to land her mark with her sword, just starts cursing under her breath about, you would think in all the training that she's done, she would have learned to fight trees because they're so common, (laughs) but apparently not. And that brings us to the next legendary action, at which point she will use her ability Spawn Vine Blight. Victor Von Spineblight. <laughs> Victor Von <laughs> From the witch's thatch that has just spawned, a creature presses forward its long, gnarled hands, grasping at anything it can. Who's next, Chronomancer? That makes it my turn. Hal is going to cinematically vault over the kitchen table and rage in the process and use my magical bone halberd to attack these brambles. That sounds excellent. Are you trying to fray Iavos? Bone and bramble. Yeah, let's try and cut Iavos out. Beautiful. It's a seed section. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. That's awful. What a visual. (laughs) Wait, I'm a barbarian. I can reckless attack. (laughs) My AC's bad. I'm going to do that. That's not a whole lot better. Um, does a 13 hit? It does not. Yeah. No. All right. All, all really aren't that into saving me, are you? Yeah, I rolled, a, I, rolled a, <laughs> I rolled a five. I rolled a five and then a seven. Sounds good. No, it doesn't. I disagree. <laughs> <clears throat> that ends my turn and gives it the opportunity for another legendary action. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I'm sure you are. It does not currently have a space in which it can spawn another vine blight, so instead, it spreads the thatch. Like butter over too much bread. (laughs) As yet more brambles begin to carve through the walls, tearing them to rubble and occupying the space that was once this man's home. After that is Iavos' turn. Well, my plans for the turn have changed dramatically. I would imagine so. So could you give me kind of a visual description of this entanglement? Obviously, I'm blind, so it's got my head wrapped up. Yes. So you have a large amount of black wooded vines grabbing all over you. Your head is constantly being jostled and turned Mm -hmm. and things are sticking in and out of you. Okay. Is there like any wiggle finger of my rooms or hands that could like grasp at something or you are restrained but i would say you're still capable of limited motion so if you need to do say somatic incantations or whatever let me hit you with this because i was i let us be very clear i cannot strength my way out of this (laughs) strength is absolutely abysmal being blind i limits my ability to do a lot of things so i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot for something that i find very interesting so trying with all of his might to break a few of his fingers in hand free, he uses his new find familiar ability to summon Opus from an extra dimensional space to the palm of his hand. Okay. It opens its eye and using my action as my familiar, I impart it with my vision. So I see (laughs) through the eye. And as a bonus action, I cast Misty Step to teleport to the other side of the room. The space you can now see. Yes, because I couldn't see before. So good. And it looks, for all intents and purposes, that the vines just close in and crush my robes to nothing. (gasps) And then I just step out of the shadows on the far side of the room. Like... Holy shit, that is the slickest thing I've ever heard in my entire goddamn life. That is fucking clutch. That's so good. Now that's what I call action economy. A gout of smoke and embers appear in the corner of the room, immediately saving you from the terror of realizing the death of your friend. And Iavos manifests. 
That is my whole turn. <laughs> a beautifully executed turn. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would say so. That's an early contender for play of the yeah, game. Exactly. 100%. If you're physically bullshit, you got to be clever. At the end of your round, it manifests another vine blight. Right next to Halifon Orson. She's fucking hungry. Mm-hmm. That brings us to the end of the round and the top of the initiative queue. At initiative 20, and since nobody here has 20, she gets to take a layer action. Leia hardly knew it. <laughs> Any hostile creature adjacent to the thatch must make a DC 14 dexterity saving throw. Could you happen to tell us who's next to a thatch? The only hostile creature next to a thatch is Penny. I rolled a 22. Beautiful. Mm. You still take half of 1d6 damage. That is a whopping one damage. <laughs> but hey, theoretically, she can hit all of you at once with it, which is still that's a great, great. No, that's great. I assumed there would be something that would require a save, which was why I was very horny for Bless, but that did not play out. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think it's probably best that you got out of the, yeah, the death thatch. I would have died. Yeah. Following the lair action first on our team is Gaspar. From Auntie Wisteria's perspective, from the left-hand side of the table, Gaspar's head pops up. But from the right side, the other long side of the table, the crossbow pops up. <laughs> um, it's like playing fucking whack-a-mole. Exactly. <laughs> Misdirection. Mm. The prestige. <laughs> the prestige is the crossbow in your ass. <laughs> it's made of books. I got a message for you. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. I know not if I can curse a god, but at least curse the physical manifestation of you. I'm also going to hex it. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. And we're going to say that it has disadvantage on strength. Yeah, that seems sensible, especially if it's using strength to try and hold us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At which point the crossbow bolt will head for that gem. Nice. Intended to. That is a 26 to hit. That 26 definitely hits this large cumbersome plant creature. I'm glad. If it didn't, we're just fucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your crossbow bolt finds home in the upper chest of this pseudo woman. Go ahead and roll me your damage. All right. Crossbow is dealing 10 points of damage. Marvelous. Sneak attack is dealing. Oh. Yep, there's the. I can't roll with my left hand if, if we're going to stay there. That is going to be 21 damage in total. Nice. And uh, what were the damage types? The damage is piercing and necrotic. Nice. Nothing special to report there. Uh, You're able to deal 21 damage. The crossbow bolt manages to find home pretty close to the upper chest, but falls definitely shy of the gem. At least necrotic works. Mm -hmm. As it strikes, you notice that from it, instead of blood, these small silvery tendrils start to drip out. And from the drippings of it, the spirit of Nepet will... Slosh out. Extend like a bungee cord, just (laughs) stabbing all the way down. And he's going to come down with his dagger on one of these vine blights. I like it. So a kind of wispy gossamer nepet suddenly forms from the pseudo blood of the creature and drives into the vine blight. Give me the damage, please. Is its blood delicious fruit wine? (laughs) Because then you summon a wine blight. (laughs) (laughs) That is four points of necrotic damage. Lovely. It's not enough to kill it, but it does seem to notice the injury. Revenge of the blood nerd. Nepet, you would do better with a curved knife. Come on. <laughs> Machete. That's all my actions. At the end of Gaspar's turn, legendary action. Excellent. 
After that, the enemy. Realizing there is an enemy she cannot see, Auntie Wisteria uses her legendary action to reform, where she can manifest adjacent to any thatch block. She manifests next to Halophon. Oh, good. That makes life easier. And she's back at full HP. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Fuck! What uh, an ability. Consequences. That makes it her turn now, too. Oh, marvelous. Yep. Now that she is reformed, she uses this opportunity to strike at you in the same manner that she struck at Iavos. For the record, she has advantage because I reckless attacked last round. Thank you for the clarification. Good, because the first one was a 2 and the second one is a 19. Mm. I don't know if I would call that good, but that'll hit. I'm happy for her. And the second one is a 20. Not natural. Uh, that also hits. Excellent. She's living her best life. Yeah. <laughs> She's in her lane thriving. Here we go. She's veering dramatically into our lanes. But <laughs> <laughs> 16, 33 points of damage. So... The first strike slams into you with overwhelming force. You can feel the sharp edges of the witch wood pierce through what little clothing you wear on your upper half and stab into your sides, scraping hard against the bones of your ribs. The second one smashes down on top of you, and the two appendages of the creature start to slowly engulf you as you take 34 damage. You were really close with that guess, Angela. Based purely on his facial expression. <laughs> it was a 7-8. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> was it piercing damage though? Uh, bludging. Bludging? Okay, cool. So I have that. Nice. So I take 17. All right. After, is that, does that conclude her turn or do her blights need to go? That is a blight's turn. Thank you. You're as tough as alligator meat. Following suit, the two vine blights crawl on top of the mound containing you and begin to stab their hands through, adding to the damage. Well, this isn't fair. <laughs> they also have advantage. Thank you. It's like an organic Iron Maiden. So that's a 12 and a 13. Both of those miss. Marvelous. They seem to really kind of be putting a hat on a hat as they strike a person who is already engulfed in vines with yet more vines. So you are blessedly safe from the vine blights attacks. Well, that's something anyway. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Elam makes the rest of his way toward the door in the hallway and disappears behind it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> He won't even get to watch us be consumed now. Are you currently grappled, Halifon? I believe I am, because she hit with both her attacks. Please, do not resist her. Without her, our orchard will die. We will die with her. That makes it Penny's turn. Penny ignores his pleas and looks on at this creature and Halifon. And as she begins to recite a poem, though it is night outside, for a moment, Sunlight seems to stream in through the windows and open door. Mm -hmm. The sunlight collects on this creature as well as Halifon's blade before sticking to it. Ooh. At morning's light, we sound the horn to drive out shadow's blight, use briar knots to bind their form and fury in the fight. Harry to the wheeled rot to see our kindreds freed. It was there that Zelos fought and made the darkness bleed. That is a fairy fire centered right on top of her and Halifon and any other nearby creatures and bardic inspiration for Halifon, which is a D8 now. I have no objections to being included in this fairy fire. I'm sure she already has advantage to hit for a number of reasons. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that is the end of your turn, I imagine? Yes. They need to make Save deck saves for fairy fire. Oh, oh yeah. that's fucking right. The fairy fire uh, DC is 14. 
one of the vine blades succeeds, everyone else fails. Excellent. Hal also fails. And as that makes it the end of your turn, that moves it to a legendary action. She will use Spread the Thatch. Oh, Lord, she coming. And? And that makes it my turn with Iavos on deck. Neat. Or on dick, as uh, <laughs> I would say in character. Let's never say that again. <laughs> All right, cool. On my turn, as my action, engulfed by this thing I can't see because I'm blinded, I'm going to activate Radiant Consumption. Hey! Mm. Is that fire damage? It's Radiant damage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, careful, dog. So, from... Inside this tangled knot of briars, all of a sudden there is this explosion of sunlight and heat. And I think probably Penny, having been on the receiving end of this ability once before, knows exactly what's going on inside the briars. But she and any of her thatch and blights that count as creatures will take damage from me at the end of each of my turns. Okay. That's my action. I don't have a bonus action I can use while I'm here, so that's going to be my whole turn. Sounds good to me. Yeah. As my turn ends, I and any creature within 10 feet of me, which hopefully includes her thatch if it counts as a creature, I don't know, mm. takes two points of radiant damage. Neat. Any save or just boop? Nope. If you're there, you take damage. Yeah, two, 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 two. Thank you. Excellent. As you begin to burn away at the thatch, Onto Wisteria uses her legendary action to form back into the wall and reform out of the thatch now adjacent to you and Gaspar one step closer to her original choice of Iavos he is the tastiest I guess so you're dry aged uh, looking at the chaos of this dining room turned battlefield um, <laughs> Iavos is like trajectorizing angles in his brain and looking for ways to sneak the most spell offense in and stealing himself he decides he has to move Five feet forward to be adjacent to Mama Bad Times mm-hmm. or adjacent to Anti Wisteria, as it were. And thinking of what kind of element works best against plants, he decides to go with very sharp things and putting his hands basically against the wall and creating a cone that's like just barely shaving inches from Halifon's face. He releases a third level flyleaf. Okay. Creating an explosion of razor sharp shrapnel pieces of paper cutting through the vines and into her body. I like it. Utilizing a spell secret, I'm going to attempt to make this an intelligent saving throw as the trajectory of these leaves and blades are going so fast that it's it's difficult to process. I like it. Well, she definitely failed on the roll. Okay, uh, that that's is, good. That is a four for intelligence save. Nice. Uh, the Unsurprisingly, the thatch tiles do not succeed in their intelligence save. And it just barely nicks the one blight nearest us. Who, in this context, gets a 12. All right, that also fails. Nice. He's 14 now. So, let's take a look at some slash damage. Ooh, that's very good. Mm what I'd like to hear. Well, an even 24 slashing damage oh to everything God. in that area. Holy bejesus. All right. To save the farmstead, sometimes one must cut down the blighted weeds. Hmm. I like it. So, the incoming torrent of razor-sharp pages cuts down the two witches' thatch that stand behind her. 
and make pulp of the vine blight. Onto wisteria cannot remain in any space that is not adjacent to a vine blight. Mm. And as you begin to shred them, she re reactively uses her ability to reform back to the nearest option. Nice. Does that release me? It does. Hey, that's handy. I release you. And as the witch's thatch is cut away, Halifon is now freed. However, that does not stop her from retaliating with her legendary action. She spawns another witch's thatch, which now is adjacent to Halifon. Okay. See, it's not that hard. You just cut them out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's their turn. Uh, lair action and then Gaspar. Ah, beautiful. Her newly placed witch's thatch is now close enough to lash out at you. Please roll me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. I can see now, so I have advantage. Zay just sends. Penny, I believe you are also adjacent to one. Oh, what do I need to do? Uh, dexterity saving throw. It's going by, yeah. 14. 19. Both of you succeed. Hey. Yay. Woo. You only take two damage. We take, that. that's already halved? Yes. And it's piercing? Uh, it is, uh, yeah, piercing. Okay, so I take one. Nice. All right. Once again, from Auntie Wisteria's perspective, she sees Gaspar's head pop up from the top of the table. But instead of a crossbow coming out from one of the other ends, his whole body just dive rolls over the table, uh, acrobatically moving through some of the thatch and grabs one of the ends of his other book, which then folds out like a centerfold, but it just keeps going till it reaches about four feet long, at which point it folds onto itself horizontally until it takes the form of a curved blade. And with his saber, we'll slash towards the gem. Lovely. Come on, coach. Give coach. That is another 26 to hit. That definitely hits it. Mm. It hasn't miraculously gained 11 fucking EC out of nowhere. 11, eh? Aha! <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Target acquired. That is going to be... That is 21 points of slashing and 3 points of necrotic for 24 total. Nicely nice. Ooh. She casts double shield. <laughs> <laughs> Tower shield. And while Gaspar then nimbly travels back towards the table, taking the disengage action as he is uh, moving, Nepet will appear as a shadow left behind and slash towards the nearest vine blight. Excellent. Four points of necrotic damage. Mm. Come on, Nepet, you're better than this. <laughs> you're just a floating greatsword, basically. <laughs> you truly have never done farm work, have you? <laughs> Says the kettle to the pot. <laughs> You dash forward and drag your saber across her chest, again, narrowly missing the gem, but doing just enough to cause her to panic, trying to grow out the vines to keep your blade away from her most vulnerable spot, or what you presume is. And then you dash away. Nepet, again, pouring out from the gossamer tendrils, strikes at the vine blight, who seems somewhat perturbed, but still functional. Gaspar finds safety behind the table once more. <laughs> I like that. And yet, as you dash away from her, the grinding and clattering of the vines follows you. And as you appear behind the safety of your cover, the eyeless face of Auntie Wisteria greets you. Oh. 
From ascots to spell slots, nobody keeps you up to date on Magitech and fashion trends like Aspen Vancaster. This is Major Image. I hope you're hungry because this week is all about the do's and do nots of fashionable and magical food. In the world of marketing rivalry, the release of Second Wind's new Action Surge, a lifestyle protein-based meal replacement liquid, has kicked off what the press is calling the Ration War. The business king of preserved adventuring food, Critical Grits, has responded to the challenge with a bevy of new meal combos in a can, asserting their dominance as the fireside slop of choice. Even Mutton King has entered the ration war, releasing their new two-for-one hard tacos, which are advertised as a perfect long-lasting snack for those who wander. Who will emerge victorious in the non-perishable battle royale? It certainly won't be anyone's taste buds. In breaking edible news, Aura has released a cleric general's warning regarding the prolonged consumption of good berries as a primary source of nutrition. For ages, the divine casters of many walks of life have been leaning on this classically enchanted bite-sized meal substitute to keep their party moving and even tend to minor injuries. But advances in medical science have linked the overdependency on good berries to a serious disease they're calling druidasmus. While the mini magical belly bombs can, quote, fill a man's stomach for a day, it turns out they're not a great source for the necessary proteins and carbohydrates your body needs after prolonged use and results in some dangerous deficiencies. Maybe it's time to ask how good these berries really are. And finally, renowned chef of the multiverse, Gorgon Ramsay has opened his newest exclusive extra planar private restaurant, Les Boulets. This highly exclusive personal five-table gastronomical marvel will cater to the wealthiest and most elite guests, with plates starting at 10 quin each, and a menu featuring a list of highly exotic and often illegal ingredients. Gorgon has laid claim to a demiplane where many of the laws of illegal consumption aren't recognized, therefore giving him some moral flexibility in offering dishes like mini-tartare and harpy egg souffle. The waiting list is in the hundreds as upper-class thrill-seekers from all over the planar map eagerly await a chance to fund Ramsey's culinary empire. Yours truly as a slot on the guest list, and I'll be sure to assess his vegan options with some scrutiny. I can't wait! Join us next time for more tips, tricks, tech, and transmutations from Major Image. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Hey now, what's the meaning of all this lackadaisical layabout doldrum dumb foundry? Never in all my days have I seen a crew more stricken with high seas ennui. Sorry, Captain. We're just bored. We swabbed all the poops and missing all the masses. Bored, are ye? Well, nothing puts a cold finger up your bum and gets your feet moving like an old-fashioned sea shanty. <gasps> What do you say, boys? Shall we put on a show for the gulls and billowing clouds? All right, then. Let's have it, boys. The Ballad of Beauty Balls. And a one, and a two, and a... Sing it, Captain. There once was a man from way down south who's known as handsome and kind. You could pay him a copper to drop his trow and not a hair you'd find. His skin was as smooth as polished brass, his scent like a summer's breeze. And if you beheld his treasure, you'd want to get down on your knees. Beauty, oh beauty balls, please show your balls to me. What keeps your sack in perfect tack, manscaped technology? 
when beauty balls rolled into town, he'd stand on the edge of the dock. To see his prize, the folks would form a line around the block. The majestic sight of his flawless flesh would fill your heart with pleasure. Just goes to show that one man's junk can be another man's treasure. Beauty, oh beauty balls, please show your balls to me. What keeps your taint as smooth as paint, Manscaped technology? Went to a pagemanscaped.com to tend to his tangle in weeds. The performance package 4.0 would satisfy all his needs. The lawnmower shaved his sack so smooth, the weed whacker trimmed his nose. He got a pair of boxer briefs as soft as pantyhose. He found an array of sweet colognes and silky topical creams. It seemed a shame to hide his prize inside a pair of jeans. Beauty, oh beauty balls, please show your balls to me. What keeps your junk so free from funk manscape technology? He got himself a mighty deal. He used code LUQ for 20% off all he bought, and he got free shipping too. So learn a lesson from beauty balls and tend to your garden with care. And visit the store manscaped.com for balls beyond compare. <laughs> Get ready, boys. We're going balls out tonight. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey there, LU cuties. You've activated my mid-roll. Now prepare to discuss business. Happy fall to everyone, and a happy birthday to our own pumpkin-crushing dungeon boy, Zach. I'm not feeling that creative, so let's just jump right into the doings. LUQ is made possible and kept alive by our Patreon supporters. We love each and every one of you and thank you constantly for helping us keep going. But we want you to feel rewarded, too. That's why we loaded up our Patreon with a bunch of D&D rewards like maps, magic items, class options, stat blocks, and more. You can see character sheets from the players, get bonus episodes, and music files from the show. At the highest tiers, you can become part of the show itself. Battleaxis teams get to become part of the world's meta, and the characters you make will be mentioned during the EXPN segments. Our legendary tier patrons get their teams mentioned every week during the mid-roll, and each week has a featured team that I am delighted to read aloud. Like this. 
Our current legendary teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Forgotten Legacy, with Wagon, Insanity, John Reinhardt, and Daryl. All the links you need for social media, actors, pages, merch, and more is available at the LUQ.com. For info on getting an ad or personal message on the show, contact admin at slapdashstudios.com. We're in love with the fan-made art that we've been getting in our P.O. Box, and if you want to send some as well and get featured on our social media, the address is P.O. Box 230091, Tigered, Oregon 97281. No homemade food, please. Don't forget to follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams, where we premiere new episodes of LUQ every Monday, hosted by Dungeon Mistress Dana. Wednesdays, me and Zach have our Pokemon Soul Link Nuzlocke series, which for the next couple of weeks is going to be a little random because we both have a lot of stuff going on, so check the schedule updates for that. Thursdays is Penny Plays, and right now Dana's playing Boyfriend Dungeon, which is an absolute delight. In the mornings, I've been streaming a Nuzlocke of Pokemon Infinite Fusion, which is pretty funny and a very cool game. And starting soon, I'm going to be doing something a little more artistic on Twitch, but I haven't figured it fully out yet, so just keep your eyes peeled for that. And yesterday, I hosted a live stream of the LUQ Best of Commercial Compilation, where I talk with the fans about some of my favorites and we discuss the goofs of the past. I haven't done it yet while recording this, but I'm guessing it's going to be a lot of fun. We'd love to see you on the Discord. It's awesome, and I bet it would be even better with you there. Take care of yourself, get the rest you need, and check in on your loved ones. That's just some advice from Law, because I like you. But enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. (sighs) Oh, damn. I slept like the dead. Oh, crap. What time is it? Oh, I slept through Grandma's funeral. Does this sound like you? Do you sleep through all the important events in your life? Can't seem to wake your own ass up? We have just the product for you. Big Hot Doodle. This big fat man bird will shriek his way into your sleeping mind and rip you from dreamland like an ego band-aid. He just hangs out. He'll eat whatever he wants. Bugs, ham, chillerianos, chicken, even birthday cake. He can handle himself. Big Cock Doodle's a big colorful boy. Big plumage, pink danglers. Have you seen his talons? They're like stilts made out of knives. He'll fuck you up. Big Cock Doodle. You got chickens around? He'll bang them. His life rules. All he does is eat chillerianos, bang chickens, and yell at the sun. Forget the alarm clock. Forget the courtesy calls. Start your day every day screaming and terrified with Big Cock Doodle. Big Cock Doodle. Gaspar's deft and nimble movements have found little fruit as Auntie Wisteria travels along her vines to meet him. No fair. It is now her turn. That is a 16 and a 24. The 16 and 24 are going to hit. Ooh. Ooh. Engulf me. <laughs> Engulf me. <laughs> you take 29 damage as both of her appendages come crashing down upon you, impaling your flesh and crushing your bones. Thinking he was safe behind the table. Gaspar just looks in a bit of surrender as she appears next to him and comes down with a a bundle of briar 
<laughs> uh, he tries to leap away using uncanny dodge, but it's still going to hit. Grabs him by the legs and pins him down onto the floor. And then the second wave just fully hits him. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, so you'll be taking seven less damage. Yes. That puts me at 14 HP. All right. And the end of her turn brings it to Penny's turn. She's got one blight left still. Excuse me. The vine blight dashes forward and grabs onto Penny with its lashing vines. Does a 14 hit? It does not. (sighs) Okay, there we go. Uh, It seems desperate to try and grab onto you, seeming to want to crush your body with its many tendrils. And that makes it your turn. Seeing as she is now turned away from Penny next to Gaspar, Penny is going to turn around and attack her from the back using Zillos. Okay, sounds good to me. Go ahead and roll the attack. So twinkly. 15. That hits, just barely. Yay. Hooray. That is really good. (laughs) Five points. Mmm. Staggering. (laughs) Um, Your short sword stabs into the bramble and draws away a large portion of the sticky gossamer thread. But she does not seem to notice. She is enraptured by Gaspar. I, by her. (laughs) (laughs) And then with my bonus action, I'm going to throw another second level heal on Iavos. All right. Thank you. Six points. Uh, Thank you so much. All right. Marvelous. And that gives it a legendary action. Smush me, auntie. As you strike at her, she seems completely unaffected by you. And as you pull your sword away, you realize that the gossamer threads that cling are beginning to thicken. She uses spread thatch in your space. I need you to roll a DC 14 dexterity saving throw. 11. Oh, no. You will be taking 1d6 bludgeoning damage, and you'll be knocked prone in the direction she chooses. Why the fuck didn't she womp? (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, the explosion of vine forces you out of the way, slamming you in the ribs and dropping you in the center of a circle of thorns, alone with the vine blight. You take two damage bludgeoning. And that makes it my turn. That does indeed make it your turn. All right. I think a lot has happened since my last turn. I got engulfed. I started burning. And then Iavos used Razor Leaf. It was super effective. <clears throat> Gaspar did some stuff. And now Gaspar is enshrouded. Penny is inboxed. And critically, you are not engulfed. And critically, mm-hmm. I'm not engulfed. But and, you are inspired. And in, I am inspired. And I believe that she's... I can't see her because all of the brambles look a lot like her from the She's right in your jacket. Angle, but I'm pretty sure she's right in front of me, right? Uh, yeah, she's right in front of you. All right, cool. I'm just going <laughs> to... Burning with radiant rage, now free, I'm going to take my bone halberd and bring this thing down in a giant two-handed overhead cleave. I love it. Go ahead and roll that attack. I'm going to try to anyway. Let's see how it goes. And she's very fired. She is no longer fairy fire. Oh, no. uh, that's fine. I'll just reckless attack to keep the advantage. <laughs> Damn. I've got options. <laughs> Natural one on the first roll. Ooh. I'm glad that I reckless. It's all uphill from here. Right? Natural 20 on the second oh. roll. 
the other dash. I Sam Frost. No, I didn't Sam Frost it. Who was it that always rolled ones and twenties? I don't know. Everybody. Some, Sam always rolled doubles. I don't know. Anyway, that's a crit. <laughs> I'm here for it. Here yeah. it is. I'm going to smite it. I fucking love it. Is anyone surprised? Not at mm-hmm. all. All right. And don't forget, that's your bone halberd, baby. Yeah. So she's going to take math. Uh, math. Yeah, that's, right. that's what I was doing. What's our prediction here? Um, 46 points of damage. It's 46. Okay, right. So in total, this Divine Smite crit is going to do 2d10 plus 3d6 for the bone halberd plus 4d8 for smite plus another 2d8 for Penny's inspiration. Nice. Which is a lot. Listen to this beautiful sound. <laughs> I cast Barbarian Fireball. 46 might have been a very conservative. No. Remember, your, remember your two weapon master. If yep. he rolls two on each, he gets 20 damage. <laughs> so I don't, even, I don't think I need to worry about what happens on my turn. Not at all. Okay. I was going to do a cool spell, but fuck it. If Hal wants to obliterate her, that's aces with me. Those all stay. <laughs> so. All right. All told, across all dice, 45 plus 5 for a grand total of 50 radiant damage. Nope, 50 damage, and she'll take an extra 5 Radiant for my Radiant Consumption ability oh, on this attack. So 55 damage from that attack. Holy Good crap. Barkus. Good Christ. That is the Barbarian Paladin gameplay. That is that is a Barbarian Fireball. That's the number to beat. That's I think that's the highest. Did you include your Necrotic? Doesn't the... Oh. That was a 3d6. That was Sorry, in there. Excuse me. Did you heal yourself? Yes. <laughs> I, had to, I had to look at the D, I had to look at the d6s and, and do some math I yeah. gain 13 temporary hit points okay we'll keep that in mind yeah the Vries bone halberd vibrates with vampiric energy as you draw the blade of it across the witch's thatch vines break and tear the flesh of her is gouged gossamer spills to the floor as the vines all around you begin to decay and rot collapsing on the floor in tattered mulch. As Hal drives his halberd in and she sort of discorporates, Hal's just going to lean forward and whisper, I killed my own aunt last week. You think I'm not going to kill someone else's? And then rip the halberd back out. <laughs> that is absolutely killer. As you fell onto hysteria, the top half of her body falls to the ground, her head intact. The gem intact, yet most of what would have constituted her torso dissolves, leaving behind a mantle clasped with the pink gem and a lolling head waiting to be collected. Ooh, plant lady head. Peeling off some of the thatch that was left over and decaying on him. Oh, that was kind of fucked up what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) But Gaspar then just goes behind and using the saber slices the head off of this thing. The mantle is left there. Is it like a kind of like a viney cloak thing? It looks to all appearances as a set of pauldrons made mm. of symmetrical, jagged, almost design work made of vines. How How's rage kind of dissipates is at Gaspar's comment goes, what was it? Sorry. Uh, did I say something? I was in the zone. <laughs> no, that's fine. Just are you all right? Uh, yeah. I pick you up. <laughs> Is everyone all right? 
I don't think the family will be. Well, you hear a creak of the door as Elim peeks his head out. We're all like covered in blood and bruises. (laughs) Glowing with radiant heat still. He falls on his knees and crawls towards the tattered vines. Without a weave, nothing. Nothing at all. When your livelihood depends on the death of others, try not to encounter those more desperate than you. This is our way. We had no choice. Nor we had a choice in defending ourselves from this wickedness. I did not want... I did not want you harmed. But one must serve the Sion, as is dictated by the old church. I've never tried to feed her Sion before. I didn't think this would happen. Unfortunately for her, we were blessed in our continuance. I've got bad news for your orchard, though. We've got some seeds for sale, but your prices just went up. (laughs) I don't believe our soil is worth anything. Your soil is rich and vibrant, and even dead soil with enough work can be turned to life. It's all been long since dead in this territory. And from death grows life. You have more than enough compost here. A fallow for a new crop. Something that is not of mine to kill, perhaps. I suppose. I'm so sorry this has happened. Without her protection, I don't know what will happen next. The blighted roam these lands. We had no interest in upturning your way of life, but it is our duty to defend ourselves in our mission. Of course. Perhaps before we leave, I can give you some tips on working dead soil. I have a lot of experience. Perhaps so. Gaspar is going to clip the mantle around Ayavos' shoulders. You have a new scion now. (laughs) Believe me, where effort and love can be found, we can wring survival from the earth. Yes, there's truth in this. As the clasp comes together, you see the gem begin to glow slightly and then slowly fade. You can feel a life preserved Mm. distantly as a sixth sense seems to activate inside of you. Interesting. You remember feeling the same thing as the chivalric edge was born. Ah, I see, I see. You now bear on your shoulders a new relic. Very cool. Where'd your boy go? He's in the other room. Bring him out. He's done nothing, sir. If if you're going to do something, do it. Bring him out. No. I'll not have you hurt my boy. I walk past him. He tries to stand in front of you. Go ahead and give me an athletics check to shove him aside. Hal's being scary. Uh, that's either 20 or 21. It's like a three. Don't matter. He got a three. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I can tell the dice rolls from your face. <laughs> you shove him aside and he begins to weep. I'm going to catch him and just say, I don't know what he's doing, but I'm not. I wouldn't fear for your child. You go inside and you see Elishua standing there and he's holding a rake ready to attack I look at the rake, I look at him, and I gesture for him to hold out his hand. He does so, and you see the deep cut in his hand. I grab his hand with mine, still burning with radiant energy, and I will use my Osimar healing hands abilities to give him five hit points back. And as the heat of my dying rage burns his flesh back together, Hal says, There's pain and warmth. Be blessed in your continuance. 
And I turn mm. and walk back into the other room. Very good. The intervening hours are passed in awkward silence as you assist the family in the cleaning of their home. Despite your pain and injury, you do your best to help pick up the pieces of their tattered lives. It is in the wee hours as the sun begins to crack over the vertical horizon of the tower that you begin to hear noise at a great distance. Peer out the window to see where it's coming from. Far down the road, you see what appears to be a mass of humanoid forms moving closer. You mentioned a grim procession, yes? He nods. Is this it to your eyes? He nods again. Will you remember the things that I have taught you? He nods frantically. (laughs) Not in fear, but in love for this dear family and their survival above all else. Yes. Then our path takes us this way. Be be blessed in your continuance. And you yours. No honor greater than the life-bringing hands of a farmer. And no crop more nourishing than the love of your family. He holds his family close, and they all watch as you step out into the cold morning air. In the distance, the vast procession crawls inexorably towards you. The long train of bodies undulating in time with a rhythm you cannot hear. The sneaking ribbon of it shifts in color and tone, the details of each coming to hazy resolution as they draw nearer. To the front, however, is a congregation so garish and flamboyant as to shake loose all thought of the rest. The bodies shift and swirl in dance. Two-toned dresses and cloaks billowing in the breeze craft the illusion of flowers blooming and decaying in an endless cycle. A wall of sound passes slowly over you as the music comes into focus. The braying of strange winds and raspy thunder of percussion carve a waltz through the dull silence. Your hearts bloom and wilt as visions of the past beat in odd time to the rhythm of memory, and it is from that vibrant reverie that you are brought to a grim conclusion. For despite the warmth and vitality of the dance, its participants are all long since dead. Truly unbelievable. An unprecedented turn of events by every stretch of the imagination. This sucks chunks and blows butts. In a league first, the trial of seeking between the gutter snipes and raptors lament ended in a stalemate. I'm truly speechless. What kind of a dipshin wizard makes a staff of planar binding and splits the damn thing down the middle? It's a magical stick, not a marshmallow sandwich. Two halves of a forgotten artifact is a classic fantasy trope, but I've never heard of both pieces being reported found at the same exact time. Both teams have agreed to walk away from the wager with a newfound respect for one another, but surely with a chip on their shoulders regarding Amblemar the Green and his panache for bisecting his enchanted handiwork. I'm flippin' angry. I'm ready to go off like a pet skunk that doesn't like belly rubs. If I wanted to watch a tie, I'd go to a rope store. I had big plans for that, Quinn. And I was looking forward to a week of limited exposure. But as they say, them's the breaks. Are we calling it off or splitting the pot? All right, tell you what. If you give me a Quinn, I won't follow you home at all this week. That should make us squaresy pearsy. If I knew I could just pay you to leave me alone, I would have started investing in it a long time ago. 
I knew my talents would make me rich sooner or later. In the meantime, the hero tier is buzzing in curiosity about the mysterious and believed quest-related absence of the Fallow Crown in the recent scribes. Is this newly minted hero party in the middle of something top secret? Or have their unknown foes ensured their MIA status? If the FC isn't MIA, they might be DOA, in which case I'll BVSBRP. Come again? Be very sad, but remain professional. That I'd like to see. My boys, <laughs> some kind of dance macabre. <laughs> Very cool. I love it. Yeah, I did not mention this earlier, but this was kind of supposed to be my Halloween theme chapter. Sure, so sure. hopefully that's coming through. Oh, <laughs> the wall of sound. It's, it's, it's a dead people happy religion. Yeah. However that fits. <laughs> Go ahead and roll us that die. Oh, and The dwarf. Also, oh. hold up, hold up. Play of the game, MVP, what do we got? I'm mm. feeling play of the game is that 50-point damage dealer from Hal. 55. 55. Yeah, 55 is a big 55. hit. I don't know. It's a big hit, but it's not a terribly unique or exciting play. I would mm. say going from a critical failure to a critical hit smite with fucking uh, vampiric uh, attack shit, that is a lot. I would say that That's makes true. Hal the MVP for the fight. Agreed. And okay. I would say in general, Hal, you you just performed well this, this okay. round. Okay. So All right. Play of the game is the Opus Escape. Absolutely. Right. Oh, man. Thanks. Yeah. Whichever way it goes. I was pretty like, proud of the trickery in that. The, yeah. The, I like the Those Opus were the Escape. Two. Yeah. I was actually kind of bummed that you killed them at that time because the, it she just entrapped Penny. And one mm. of her lair actions is to, if anybody's trapped by the thing, she gets a free engulf hit. So you would have taken 2d4 pl- or 2d8 plus four on top of that oh, and no. continued to every turn. Yeah. I would have been okay. Well, I was, was going to try to finish her off with an ice knife, but I was going to make it an ice scythe. Mm. Ooh. How, how protect. So I'm actually sad you didn't because she actually is vulnerable to cold. <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> the next one. Yeah, I thought she, yeah. she might have been. I had a hunch. I was going to try to play with a few different elements, but yeah. I was like, I know that knives are going to hurt her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knives must hurt. Yeah. Um, sorry, give me that roll, Andrew. Shield three. So I'm tossing it back at you, dungeon boy. Back to the dungeon boy. All right, let's go around the table starting with. I think it's me. Michael Loving playing Halifun Orison Jr., the caster of Barbarian Fireball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and TTRPG podcast voice actor and professional DM. There you go. I think that sums me up pretty well. Sum sum. My name's Angelo Kaluig. I play Gaspar, the headless rogue of the Phantom subclass, who now has maybe a new head. We'll mm. see. I am Dana Ebert. I play Penny Farthing, who knows fairy fire. And allegedly other spells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> allegedly. I do a lot of things. I've said before that I write for Paizo. Pathfinder Lost Omens The Grand Bazaar just came out on October 13th. If you want to check it out, I contributed to it. Very exciting for me. The reviews are glowing. I look forward to th- thumbing through myself. People are pretty excited about some of the parts that Dana contributed yeah, to. Yeah, it's great. Always nice to read Very, about. very cool. Uh, my name is La. I play Iavos Isadora, Witness to the Withering Acre. Um, accidental scion to this family, I guess. <laughs> Not intentional, but hey, it's a farmhouse. What are you going to do? 
And I am also creative director of Slapdash. And I am Zach Barkas, Dungeon Boy. I'm also uh, technical director for Slapdash Studios. I want to thank Bree Golden for the map that she made for this quest. Not even, we haven't even used it yet. Nope. But we're going to get there. I also want to thank Hedegar the Editor for his fantastic editing. Mm, such good editing. Absolutely. Really, you all know what we do. You know how we play. This is just uh, one element of our lives, but it is by far one of my favorite. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you keep doing so. Please drag as many people kicking and screaming into this podcast as possible. And until next time, we wish you luck. <laughs> <laughs>